1: everyone and welcome to the podcast. Tonight we're going to do a plot drift featuring Patrick Shepard and the SGC. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. And um, Jilly's original um, thought was that uh, she wanted to do a plot drift about Patrick Shepard finding out about the Stargate program before even John does. So.
2: Which I think would be I mean, we, we had a little bit, I think that popped into my brain because we had a little bit of a a tease about that last night. Um, it's like, what if there's one idea we talked about where Patrick was already run into the SGC. So um, I thought that could be an interesting angle to be like, what what are the different ways that Patrick could get involved with the SGC? Um, when When would that be? It could even be right around the same time. Yeah, Shepherd, his through his line of work, but it also could be if he's if you do you know you could do like something where he's an active duty still active duty admiral, um, and then he gets read right into the program that way. So I just a lot different angles as Pat, you know. First, she goes Patrick is a civilian or is he military, and and which angle is he coming in? If he's if he's a civilian, is it his line of work that gets him involved? Is it his genetics that get him involved? What's the um yeah i agree well the thing is i think one of the critical key things and this actually didn't make sense to me in canons i well i know they had like a they were a little bit like a, a little bit of a desperate situation but i don't i don't see patrick letting that expedition if he's got any kind of clout with the sgc i don't see him letting anybody go on that expedition until they had a reasonable chance of of getting to them in
1: well to me it, it never really I mean yeah it was couched as a potential one-way mission but at that point you know um O'Neill still had a really good relationship with the Asgard there's no reason why they couldn't have um, asked for a favor and said hey you know um could you give us a lift to Pegasus because we got some people out there and we need some help
2: so I never I mean people talk about I see it written in fan fiction as a suicide mission and um it wasn't I it it, it never was framed that way as a suicide mission to me so it was framed as like it could be one way because you don't know what's on the other end but honestly every time they stepped through the gate it could have been one way that was the risk they took with gate travel and atlantis wasn't really any different except that they were so much further away that it would be difficult to to get them
1: well no the asgard were not in a time bubble because there was actually an asgard on the
2: And they were and they had ships under construction. So the mission was underprepared. That's absolutely true. And it probably left a little prematurely. Um they were were so
1: desperate. But I think that actually him Heimdall.
2: Heimdall, yeah. Yeah. I
1: think he was already on Earth at that point helping them build the Daedalus or kind of like consulting. Uh Uh-huh. So the Asgard were already involved in a lot of ways with the SGC. So that potential was always there. And of course, they could have gotten a mothership fairly easily because they had a relationship with the Java Nation. Prometheus was first, yes, but the Daedalus was already under construction when the, when the Prometheus launched. There's no way it wasn't. In fact, the Daedalus and the Apollo and the one that ended up with the Russians all had to be under construction. Various stages of construction when, when the Prometheus um, launched. The Prometheus and the Daedalus were not the same kind of ship, I don't believe.
2: No, one was the X 303 and one was the X 304.
1: And the Daedalus was the 303. Yeah, so
2: the the Daedalus was the next. It was the first of the X 304s. So um, the Prometheus was the last of the X 303s. I don't know if there was another. Right, because the point was, the reason why they pushed them out there, the hope, the optimistic hope was that they would get to Atlantis, that they would have enough power to, to dial back and sh- send weapons through, right? That there'd be some great weapon on the other side, and maybe a ZPM, right? A full ZPM that they could send through the gate. That had to be their optimistic hope, that they would get there and they would be able to establish intergalactic transport because there would be power on the other side to run the gate. That wasn't the case, and they had to and contingency planning would have been such that they would always have been planning to send backup ship out there once they knew where there was.
1: Now, I don't buy that whole thing. they weren't positive the ship could travel between galaxies because the um Asgard don't live in our galaxy. So the Asgard were skipping around to different ga- um, galaxies already. So they knew very well they had access to technology that would be able to go to a different galaxy.
2: So I think we can agree, or at least Kira and I can agree, um, (laughs) that it wasn't intended to be a suicide mission. But Um, it had the
1: potential to be a one-way mission, which isn't the same thing as suicide.
2: Right, which was the case with every single Stargate mission. Every gate mission had the potential to be one way, and that's that's just a fact. So the question is: It's not so much would Patrick have let that mission happen. Is would Patrick's involvement have made that mission better prepared? Would it have resulted in a different leadership? What you know, what and and that's kind of what you want to explore when you're looking at the ripples of. I don't think it would have stopped the mission. I don't think his involvement would have stopped the mission, whether he's military or civilian. But it could very well have changed some of that, some of the elements. The, the, Prometheus had
1: an ex- it, it, the Prometheus had an experimental engine. I think it, that was the one with the Nequadria in it, maybe. But the Apollo, the Daedalus, and the um one that ends up with, in the Russian hands, the X-304, it had hybrid Asgard engines. They knew perfectly well they'd be able to get to Pegasus with it. There was no doubt that the Daedalus could take the Pegasus trip. Prometheus was always an experiment, but if the Prometheus had been taken over by somebody, say, at Shepherd Industries, maybe they would have said, you know what, we're not actually going to fuck around with an Equadria. let's let's do this the proper way. And the Prometheus could actually maybe even have made it to Pegasus.
2: And everything you do has consequences, right? Um, But, I mean, I use the idea of... Them running behind on the data list to get Patrick into to get Shepherd Industries into um, that contract on um, in if found, which is how he found out about the program and that John was already gone because the data list was running behind and Jack was pushing it with the I O A to get it get it back on schedule because they needed because Atlantis hadn't been able to make contact at that point, which is when they when they tried to push in push through another contractor to get them back on schedule because um, I would imagine that one of their hopes when though when they walked through the gate was one of their hopes was that they were going to get a return call right away you know or pretty close like within a day they get a return call that that would be best case right is that the city is fully powered it's got it's got zpm they can establish contact let them know the state of things and when they don't hear anything they have to go to their contingency plan which is get a ship and get it to Get it to Pegasus. Why not wait for the completed ship? I my interpretation, I actually personally would have waited for the completed ship. I wouldn't have sent them out there not knowing that we could retrieve them. But it could be that the situation with the with was it was heating up and they needed weapons badly enough that it was worth the risk. Although timeline wise, they hadn't made contact with the aura yet.
1: No, they had not. In fact, they don't make contact with the Ori until after the Prometheus Unbound situation happens because Vala brings those bracelets to Earth and they end up looking for Merlin's um, treasure cave and they go to Europe. And she and him end up using that communication device that connects them with the Ori planet and that's where Vala gets burned alive.
2: So, uh, to me, one of the things um, changes I would immediately make somehow is that Patrick would be very against the that expedition going until they have a ship that is operational that can go after them if they if they don't make contact again, Um, because if there is the only way I can explain why they went out there without a ship is arrogance Um, that they had had enough successes in the Stargate program that they just assumed. That they would get out to Pegasus and have the same level of problem and success, failure and success that they had at the SGC. Is it um,
1: is it is it all arrogance or is it arrogance and
2: greed? It's probably both. Well, greed, greed behind. If you you know, if you're greedy and you're arrogant, you're a big problem. So I, I and the
1: IOI demonstrates that. Yeah.
2: So I do think that it was that there was that that and, and the IOA could sit there and go, look, based upon historical precedent with the SGC, yes, you've had some problems, but, you know, you guys always come through and they can, you know, we'll send them enough supplies to survive for six months and the ship will be ready. Just let them go. But, you know, we all know they're going to get out there and they're going to be able to make contact and come right back. You know, I could see that kind of conversation happening, even if from a military perspective, from a purely military perspective, it's shitty planning.
1: So, one of the coolest things I've seen in a fic is where Rodney figured out how to use Asgard beaming technology to store to store supplies in crystals. Nice. Um, so he and John like walked through the gate, and this was like I think maybe a time travel. So they walked through the gate with supplies for like five years. Yeah, I do mean supplies, like surface to air missiles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was all stored in their pocket in a crystal. <laughs> Boom.
2: Um, are Fick Ninja around?
1: Yeah they they stored all this stuff on um Asgard crystals using the using tech like I'm um, I'm using their transporter tech, and so he he put a transporter tech thing a device in one of the crates, and so. But Rodney, like they had everything, like like cows. <laughs> um.
2: So, okay, you you go first. What do you want? Do you want to do Patrick as military? Or do you want to do Patrick
1: as a civilian? Um. I think that honestly, he gets more freedom as a civilian because Patrick, as the wealthy industrialist civilian really doesn't answer to a lot of people. I mean, in all honesty, he could even tell the President of the United States to kiss his ass. But if he's in uniform, he can't tell the President of the United States to kiss his ass. Well, he could, but it might get him in trouble. (laughs) It's true.
2: He could do it nicely, especially if they're friends, you know. Henry... I've known you since you were a, since you were a pimply teenager, but fuck you.
1: No interim, um, They just did a better job with supplies. Um, there was no Asgard crystal stuff in, involved. It with all due respect, fuck you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Permission to speak, speak freely, sir. He says with all due respect, fuck you. He says not that freely.
1: <laughs> Too late. Apparently, it was original tempest. Why am I not surprised? He's he um. Have- Very clever ideas. Extinction Part One: The Return. Copy link address. Messed up my link. Okay. So Um, so I think yeah, I I think having him be um, maybe someone that the trust had their eye on, um, who was winning a lot of contracts, you know, small stuff, you know, individual um, part construction, computer construction, Um, and maybe he's getting a. Maybe there's a bidding situation, and there's going to be an opportunity. Like maybe they're getting ready to build the Prometheus.
2: So that would be back quite a bit. You I would know. say you'd need cause even with even with alien tech. I'd think that that Prometheus would have been in works for at least. Dark Dark made a good est- an estimate that resonated up above, which was three years.
1: So yeah, um, I mean they were probably. I mean by the and by the halfway time they. By the time they're getting ready to build the the Prometheus, they're already designing the Daedalus and the the Apollo. And so I would say six months to a year into building the Prometheus, they're building the the Daedalus. Because it wasn't about six months behind it in actual launch. So if they bring in um, Shepard Industries, maybe they win the contract to to build the Prometheus and he gets read in. At this point, they're not looking for ATA gene carriers, but they will.
2: And Patrick's DNA will be right
1: there on file. And, and he'll get a pop, which means that his children would be would, would get investi- investigated. It could pull John out of Afghanistan before he gets the dark, the the black mark on, on his record.
2: So if you do a whole military, you know, would you do a whole military shepherd thing? Where they're all military? Probably,
1: probably. No, 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 no. You're doing civilian. um, You're doing civilian. If Patrick is a civilian, I thought I think I might leave Matt or David as a civilian. Maybe Matt as a civilian and David as. um, I do like him in the navy. Yeah,
2: I really I have this thing for Maddie being um, an aeronautical engineer. I don't know why that really works for me, but it does. And then the well, If he's Carter's- an engineer,
1: then he would be like on the spot for the Prometheus build, and he might be able to talk them out of saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's not fuck around with this no it, it It's not stable. It's not going to do what we want it to do on a regular basis. It's it's not something that we can depend on. The theoretical mo- models are not working. That guy at Area Fifty One already said it was a bad, bad idea. I don't know why Carter isn't listening to him. Oh yeah, because she hates him. Whatever. So what we're gonna do is this. <laughs>
2: so you could have there could be this moment where like maddie goes look they fight all the time like carter and maddie fight a bunch and um if you have maddie be gay he could go look you didn't you 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 thought rodney argued with you because he was pulling your pigtails but i'm not interested in sleeping with you so i am not pulling your pigtails you're just wrong so don't dismiss my opinion just because it's like rodney's opinions whose opinion you dismiss because he was flirting with you moving on yeah See, I have a headcanon about Kira's Kira's OC.
1: <laughs> Rodney I, and Matt become really good friends, and then John comes back, you know, state you know stateside, and Matt's like, "You got to meet Rodney," <laughs> and John's like, "He's so your type, bro." Thinking that you, because like John could be like, "Is this asshole dating my little brother?" <laughs> Because then he has to meet him, right? And then he's like kind of jealous. Yeah, they, and then <laughs> he's he like, like so he's,
2: he starts with being annoyed with Rodney for dating his little brother, and then he's annoyed with his little brother's like, are you really dating
1: him? He's my type. What's the matter with you? This is what, <laughs> this is what are you dating him because I feel like he's my soulmate, and you're fucking this up for me. <laughs> It'd be like, no, I'm not dating him. For fuck's sake, he's an asshole. He's my
2: friend. I can't date him. You don't date your you don't date your best buddy at work. That that way leads a truth. This is truth. True life. True life advice, folks. Leading dating your best buddy at work is a bad idea.
1: He's my work husband. You can't date him. (laughs) I like that
2: you don't fuck your science, science bro, John. (laughs) You don't fuck your
1: science, bro, John. Didn't you learn that already? Oh, I think she actually did look down on him for flirting with her. Um, And I think it's a matter of... uh, Sam Carter's a very attractive woman. Um, And she uses that as a weapon. Often. And I think that she is the type of woman who gets... Who only wants certain men to find her attractive. And when a man she doesn't want to find her attractive finds her attractive, it pisses her off. And she disdained his opinion because he found her attractive. Like She decided know, like, the moment that he flirted with her that all he thought with was his dick and nothing he had to say was valid. I don't know if this is before or after Siberia. When the Prometheus uh, was being built. We, we well, would have to look. He, yeah at the Ellie's saying after I don't think so
2: I think I think that if it's if, if he's coming in for the Prometheus build well it depends upon where in the Prometheus build if they're taking over it could be after but when you look at the timeline I think that they started the Prometheus before Rodney went to Siberia
1: you could certainly write it that way
2: yeah it depends on how long how much time you want to give I'm really in danger of cutting. And up what would my be really out.
1: interesting is if during that situation, it isn't just Rodney that ends up in the mountain. It's Matt too.
2: Matt could be a real interesting force on towards on Rodney to make things go differently. <laughs> I can't see Matt ever saying wait till my father hears about this. <laughs> as amusing as it is, I just don't see it. I'm sitting here trying to cut my thumb off. Okay, I'm putting the razor blades away until after the podcast is over.
1: I don't know that Matt... I mean, Matt's job to, um, with the Prometheus would take precedence over something Siberia. So he wouldn't go to Siberia. But I think he would also say that no, Rodney's not going to Siberia. If Siberia needs somebody to build them fucking necogenerators, I suggest you take your ass to Siberia, Carter. See yeah. ya. We're going back to Nevada. Bye.
2: <laughs> Rodney's an astrophysicist what is the matter with you he's not going to Siberia well and actually that is with-
1: that is actually beneath him and fuck you for thinking otherwise
2: <laughs> and Matt Matt could go to his father and go this this program is fucked up why are they punishing somebody who just told them the truth to the best of his ability to the best of his knowledge he told them the truth
1: and and
2: Rodney did
1: could Matt pull that off absolutely Matt's an asshole Oh yeah, he's a snarky little shit. Matt is every bit the asshole that every other shepherd man is. He's just prettier,
2: and the only I think if he is.
1: If if he is representing Shepherd Industries on the ground building Prometheus, if his dad has put him in charge of that and Rodney is part of his team, he actually he actually would have the thought to say, Well, no, you can't take my team member to Siberia. That what? He's an astrophysicist. That's not his job. That's not even in his wheelhouse.
2: That, that order Send because- Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, <laughs> you don't even like his ass.
2: Oops, Kavanaugh blew up Russia. Shoot. <laughs> But, but, you know, they could have, um, that order could cross his desk and he could like, excuse me, you want to send one of my astrophysicists to Siberia to build generators? That works how? But, you know, and things could just go a little bit differently for Rodney with an ally. Um, Actually, I think Rodney, the way I perceive Matt and Rodney and Matt are probably a lot alike. Um, It's just, I think Matt has better people skills.
1: Yeah, I would agree
2: he has a better ability to connect with people. And I think he's more interested in people than Rodney is. It's not just the skills. It's, it's more interest in the, in things outside of his science. Rodney's a lot more single-minded, I think than Matt is, but otherwise I would say that, you know, they're like snarky assholes from, you know, twins from the womb kind of thing. Well, (laughs) honestly, even the people who aren't morons, he's not exactly got a delicate bedside manner.
1: I mean, no. I mean, his people skills are lacking, but that's actually kind of common for people as smart as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of skills just fly right over their head. Yeah. So and forty-eight deal- hours two- was two years before Atlantis.
2: I would say the Prometheus build is definitely well underway, and so you could write it that that they're involved or getting them involved around that time.
1: So you and it could they be an- Rodney out of Area Fifty-One. Um, which means they could have easily tried to pull him out of Matt's project, and maybe Matt goes along with him. Because you know, why is this Colonel Simmons showing up to take Rodney to the mountain? I've never been to the mountain. I want to see the Stargate. Because <laughs> 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 Simmons used McKay to try to bully the SGC, because I think that you know ultimately, um, Tilk was seen as a big threat, and this and this was a way of getting rid of him. Yeah, and also putting Hammond and O'Neill in their place.
2: Rodney was. Obviously- I read
1: a. I read a really really sad story once where O'Neill finds out that the reason that Rodney went along with what Simmons wanted is because Simmons, um, the trust was holding Rodney's kid hostage, toddler, and when they didn't get what they wanted, and Tilk survived, they killed his kid. Jesus. And you find this out because um, during the um, return, when they come back from Pegasus, um, Jack, uh, Rodney is like missing. Everybody's looking, you know, wanting to know where he is. And Jack knows where he is. He's at the cemetery looking at his son's grave. And it was just like, (sighs) you sons of bitches. I don't even know who you'd be mad at at this point. I'm mad at everybody. (laughs) Fuck you author. <laughs> it was good though. It was a, it was a really good story. But that's how Ow. Jack O'Neill finds out what what um why Rodney um what, what was the way he was. Because the um, the trust was holding his baby hostage and they killed him. I don't. I don't remember. I've only read it once and I'll never read it again because it was so upset. And his son's name was John. Yes, Willow. And that's why he never called John John. He always called him Shepherd. So, yeah, And why did you want to break your heart, you know, th- in this way? I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't, it, 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 it was before tags, okay? I, <laughs> there was no <laughs> warning what was going to be in me. There were no tags. There was no wall of tags to prepare me for that. <clears throat> um, I love appropriate tags, but there's a point. There's a point. 485 we we I mean, counted you know, 10 tags c- is reasonable 3000 tags is not yeah
2: we ran I ran across the fact I kept having to scroll past it scroll 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 and I and I noticed I was I just I was mindlessly sc- I was scrolling but I noticed I was scrolling a lot past I was like was this did I miss the story I'm looking for and I scroll back up and scroll back up and I realized that all this scrolling is one story and so I copied the tags into I don't, I don't even know didn't even, I'm not going to read that I copied the tags in and I I, I did a word count. I did a count on them. I managed to count them in Word. Four hundred eighty-five tags. So I'm bitching to the bitches. And Kara goes and reads all the tags. I was like,
1: she disappears. I was curious.
2: Like, she disappears for a couple minutes. and comes back and goes, "That story sounds really stupid." <laughs> it's just like I you read the
1: tags after reading all the tags. I could have probably told you that story without having reading the, without yeah. having read the story.
2: Yeah, probably. But it was like they 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 spoiled everything. Uh, in the tags, you know,
1: I mean, th- there was nothing left to be told.
2: Story is told in the tags. I didn't read them. I still haven't read them. Just not interested. But, four hundred eighty-five. That I mean, honestly, at the most I'd ever seen up to that point was one hundred eighty-seven that I had bothered to count. Right? Um, I just don't understand. It's, what...
1: it's uh, it's cutesy attention shit. Attention seeking behavior, and I don't like it. Yeah hoodies
2: I mean the first time I saw hoodies as a tag on a story I was like you gotta be fucking kidding me
1: you know the only tag that amuses me really is that one like no beta we die like men that's that is funny
2: but in terms of unnecessary tags there's really that no beta we die like men is is a great tag but thigh holsters because that is as far as frivolous content tags go I'm all in on that one (laughs) <laughs> Do I care if there are leather jackets No because there's always leather jackets Do I care if there's a hoodie If Styles is in the story there's a fucking hoodie I don't care Thigh holsters sign me up
1: <laughs> I need to know I, But, it, I'm but all if in. it's a numbers fic Thigh holsters are a given So I don't need to be told In fact you should tell me If there are no thigh holsters in it So I can be prepared for the disappointment Don's Anyways, not mean
2: Don's not in tactical gear. If you don't put, if you write a, if you a numbers fic and you don't have Don and or Ian in tactical gear, something's wrong with you. Just sort yourself out. Scott is a potato is not a bad tag, I have to say.
1: But really, shouldn't it be Scott is an asshole?
2: Or is that a given? I think I think it's synonymous. Scott is a potato. I think Scott is a potato is there is a if there was like a meta tag for Scott as a potato, it would be Asshole Scott.
1: <laughs> so apparently they're thinking about rebooting the um Die Hard series and Dylan O'Brien is in the lead to play John McClane. My heart just stopped. <laughs> I could you know I'm like, no, but also thank God it's not calling yes. cozy.
2: Right. I mean, no, but it depends what they do with it. Because we got John McClain when he was old and you know, he what yeah. if what if they're what if they rebooting with a with a with a rookie John McClane? What if what if shit always happens to me started when he was twenty five or thirty?
1: It makes you could, wonder how he got married it, and had kids at all. It it could be good. Folks. I mean, the could the power be, had just been her breaking point? <laughs> It could be,
2: <laughs> but it could be trash. It could be awful, but it could be good. There's actually potential there because when you think about how old McLean was in the first Die Hard movie, right? He he was already a veteran cop who had already torched his marriage, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Dylan O'Brien's way too young to play that. So what are they? But what's they are. But,
1: angle? but it is supposed to be prequels. So um, yeah.
2: I'm I'm actually not mad at the idea of prequels. I would be mad. Well, I don't if, I know I would, if
1: I would pick Dylan. For the part. I don't no, know. D- I don't d- know. D- Dylan
2: O'Brien, Dylan O'Brien was made to have been in that Han Solo movie,
1: and they fucked that up. Yeah. Although I also think that guy that played Bucky would be an excellent young Luke Skywalker. So they should d- they should do something with that instead. There, this will no princess- you? there will be no Princess Bride remake. No. We will this riot. Pod-
2: this podcast has been brought to you by us being salty.
1: Riot! There will be blood in the streets. And honestly, I don't think any self-respecting actor would look at that script and go, "Well, dude, no, I don't want that kind of hate. <laughs> I can't be involved in this." But no, are you Fuck kidding you. me? The spirit of Andre the Giant will come kick my ass. I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting this one out. Thanks. <laughs>
2: You know, some things you just can't top, leave it alone um
1: because I mean, the whole world went no <laughs> just part of their figure, no,
2: yeah, when everybody's visceral reaction to an idea is no, um as he was a sweetheart and and he still would have kicked their ass,
1: but he was also so, a professional wrestler, so yeah at, at, at least until his condition got to the point where he couldn't do that anymore yeah. so ass kicking was part of his repertoire, so. <sighs>
2: Okay, so back to your plot.
1: Um, um, so yeah, I think that it would be, you know, um,
2: so would you have would you have them around before or after the whole thing with the gate and can...
1: Um, Well, if it's, uh, I mean, I want them to start the Prometheus. I, I I don't want them to come in to fix it afterwards. I want it to be entirely their deal. Um, So they can make a ship that doesn't have the problems that the original Prometheus has. And so that's the whole point, right? You want to do um, that kind of canon divergence. You want to do a a fix-it. And so, you know, they get off on the right foot um, when it comes to building the engine, to to building... um, the only thing worse I can imagine than someone talking about that in The in *The Princess Bride is those kids on Twitter who were asking why Jesse McC- uh, McCartney's dad was performing on the Grammys. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: That's just sad. I just, I mean, you know. Okay, honey. Are those kids who are just now discovering who Ozzy Osbourne is? Are you fucking serious, Reaper?
2: Uh, uh, Reaper, you don't want to be in the corner this early in the podcast. Oh,
1: it's Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney is Jesse McCartney's daddy.
2: Yeah, so when somebody says, "Why is Jesse McCartney's daddy you know performing on the Grammys?" Um because that's who we actually want to see.
1: Ice T is a good actor, but he was—he didn't start existing the moment he started acting on SVU. So, yeah. People on Twitter, they were like, "Why is his dad on, on performing?"
2: Yeah, it was part of the in the in the, in the when the Twitter feed when, when when it was airing when it was airing, people were tweeting, "Who is that? Why is he performing? What is he doing?" This this is on par with those nerd boys, you know. Bashing um, Natalie Portman For wearing a Star Star Wars shirt Like oh look at her being a hipster chick Doesn't even probably know what that that movie is Okay
1: (laughs) The best thing I saw on Twitter though Was when Annie Lennox um, Got sent a letter by a a record executive Who'd watched her do a a show um, And said that he thought She had a lot of talent and she could go somewhere She posted it on Twitter.
2: I would have too. I'd have been. She said, Yeah, I
1: think my chances are pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll be fine. So, for those of
2: you who hadn't seen this picture, this is what I was talking about with the the Natalie
1: Portman thing. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I mean, right? They obviously didn't watch the movies if they didn't recognize Natalie Portman,
2: right? But it's one of those things. It's like, um, uh, this is gonna. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna sound like an old fart when I say this, but in. In the pre-social media generation, okay, I'm not blaming millennials here because a lot of millennials actually are pre-social media generation too, but in the pre-social media generation, um, we hesitated before admitting, even 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 you know just in conversation in public pop culture ignorance you know we would stop and go is there should i know that and you'd kind of you'd kind of approach it a little cautiously and you kind of go i actually don't really know who that is what am i missing and you talk about it but now it's like people just show their ass on twitter (laughs) without a thought it's like we it's like we just bypass completely this you know admitting to being a dodo phase it's just like nobody cares oh well i was an idiot i'll just delete the tweet that'll that'll solve it (laughs) Okay, I have watched all
1: of the Star, all of the Stargate movies. I mean, the Star Wars movies. I've watched every single Star Wars movie because how can I bitch about them if I haven't seen them? I'm just saying.
2: I there. I haven't seen Solo.
1: um, Okay, I haven't seen Solo either, but I haven't bitched about it (laughs) yet. There you go. I uh,
2: what, what was what was the uh. I guess it was The Last Jedi. It's The Last Jedi, yeah. The Last Jedi. I still haven't finished it. I've made, um, I've, But actually,
1: I've, I really enjoyed Rogue One.
2: I liked Rogue One too. But I made six attempts at, at watching, so far, at watching The Last Jedi. I watch it in like 15 minute increments. And sometimes I don't even get that far. And then I have to back it up a little bit to refresh my memory about where I was. I mean, so far, I'm hating it with a fiery passion. So, you know. And it's boring. It's boring and it's awful. So I haven't seen the whole thing. But I've seen enough of it to be able to say. I think it's boring and awful. And feel confident in that decision.
1: I don't know how anybody didn't know the end of Rogue One. If they'd watched the original trilogy.
2: Yeah. If Yeah. Really? Right? Exactly. If you didn't
1: know what the end of Rogue One was going to be. Then you obviously didn't pay attention to the trilogy. Yeah, it was beautiful, though. Yeah, it was. But Rogue One was just stunning. The The story was fantastic. The acting was great. I loved her. I was, like, all in. And and it was just, like...
2: I actually thought there was a little, some of the character work was a little bit weak um, in Rogue One. But it was a minor thing. I thought they could have done better. It was, like, this one thing. I was like, I wish they had just, you know, dealt with this a little bit better. Um,
1: I wish her but... relationship with her father had been a little more...
2: Yeah, I she like this one a little more. Yeah, she wasn't fleshed out enough for me. I felt like that they were. I felt like they did what they usually do with, honestly, with female characters. Is they just gloss over their internal motivation, and um, so I felt like it was a little weak. And I just had wished it was a little bit more. But uh, it didn't change my enjoyment of the movie. But I just it made me wish that it had that mu- that more depth. If they'd done a little bit better character work with her. So, um, but it was that. Like I said, it was a minor thing. Um, but yeah. <sighs> <sighs> It was, it was it was it was it was a very emotional movie to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm not I don't think I'll watch any of the Star Wars movies again. I, I think the franchise should just let it let it go. I mean they're gonna keep making movies as long as they can make money on them. but um, i I'm done. I'm done. I think I think that the the the, the, the sequels have been terrible. they have been terrible. Okay, so but back to back to Patrick changing the universe. So you want them to be there from the jump. They're doing the Prometheus build, um, and you want Patrick. Um, Maddie is the head of the head of the engineering team.
1: Yeah, I would like him to be on. You know, the um, the lead on the construction, just be. All up in it owning it like a boss um, getting consults from McKay at area 51 and consults from radic you know and just you know um, maybe stealing Miko because I because I could pay her more haha <laughs> okay and then and then what um I think that once the thing with Anubis goes down and they find the ATA gene, one of the first things they're going to do is probably um, start looking at all the people they have contracted to see who has the ATA gene, who doesn't, who can help with the technology, who can help study it. Um, Matt's going to get a hit. Uh, Patrick will get a hit, and that will make David and John, who are not been, who have not been read in because they're both active duty, one in the Navy and I don't know. I, I guess I'd put him back in the Air Force if, if I'm doing a Canon Divergence. Um, but if not, I'd probably make him a Marine. Um, <clears throat> so if it's Canon Divergence, John's in the Air Force. And if he's not, if it's not Canon Divergence, if it's just AU, I'd make him a Marine. Um, but they're both active duty. And so um, they get pulled into the SGC. Um, they probably are looking for um, gene carriers. As um, through active duty personnel but i think that they would look at people who were already in the program first look at their families see who's viable for recruitment because
2: and look at um, the two branches of military that they work with which would be marines and and, and air, uh, air Force air Force not although i do think that they probably should have found john a little sooner than they did in canon but what do i know
1: well, the thing is, they might have found John. He might have been on a list somewhere. And maybe they couldn't tell on paper how strong his gene was. yeah, at that time, yeah, maybe they you know I imagine we- they're probably you know um they're probably building a, you know a, a list and his name would probably get hit out of the database. but uh, if they hadn't already been exposed to Matt's gene, which is probably very, very similar to John's, but when they see his name pop, and they already know that matt has a really strong gene and they're going to want him and david
2: yeah i agree yeah and also it's a dna profile that they've got for him they don't actually have his his tissue or blood samples to actually look at his gene um so they could go okay yeah he's got this gene but we don't know how strong it is and and they could know by looking at patrick or, or Matt, that, that they want to get a look at John and David too.
1: Yeah. Night, Yeah, and, and that would bring John and David into... Now, well, When did they start looking for the ATA gene? Was it before or after Anubis? Was it in between head grabs from for O'Neal? I don't know why they... Rodney why... was in Area 51 studying ancient technology and the Stargate.
2: But I don't know why... The thing is, it seems logical to me that they would have started looking at trying to map the gene that made Jack different after the first head grab. And that was in season one, right? I mean, why... Something about Jack made it him able to use it, it activate ancient technology. You would think they would want to know who was susceptible to that. So it may have taken them time. But why wouldn't they have begun the research right
1: then? Well...
2: It just doesn't make sense to me, and the reason Except is because
1: hair isn't the first ancient technology they encounter.
2: But it just seems to me like there's a potential with the ancients having been all over this galaxy, right? Thinking through. It logically, there's the potential that they will encounter other ancient technology off-world that could be dangerous more so to someone like Jack than someone not like Jack. So you would think that right away it would have been a priority to isolate what is different about Jack. Now, it may have taken them time, but I I don't think that they would have waited until they needed someone in the chair to try to start finding the gene. And I don't think they would have waited even for the second head grab. I think they would have done it right away. Because you you... Well it's a no, weakness. Okay, let's, when
1: you're... let's go back to the ancient tech. How much ancient tech did they have? They had a big giant Stargate, and right. they had to figure out pretty quickly that that shit was not gold because they differentiated McKay's expertise and Carter's. Carter was an expert on gold technology, but McKay was an expert on ancient technology, the gate, the builders Wait. of the gate. so they had right. they, they had already separated that out.
2: But I thought that the Asgard explained why the head grabber had worked on Jack. I thought that that was explained in that episode. That Jack was more closely related to the ancients than some humans.
1: They said that he was different. That's why they wanted to explore him. That's why Loki ends up kidnapping him.
2: But I thought that the Asgard explained something to them. That Jack was was a little bit different. They didn't tell him about the gene. No, I'm not saying that they tell him I'm not saying it was explicit, but I thought the Asgard said something to him because oh, didn't, didn't the Asgard help him out with getting that out of his
1: head? Yeah, um and they declared um the the the, Tari the fifth race um and they even listed the other races. and um Jack says, well, I met them, and he says the furlings, I didn't meet them. And then he also, did, Thor also mentions the Ancients, and um, the 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 ones that live in the Sky City. Uh, uh, the Nox. Um, Nox yeah. So, but it is obvious that Jack's unique genetics was actually that he was as close as they were going to get at that point. To getting a hold of ancient DNA. And they believed. That ancient DNA could be the. Way to solve their own problem.
2: I remember when I watched Stargate. When it aired. because I love the movie. So I watched it. I was all in on this program. I watched it when it aired. When that episode aired. my I remember thinking at the time. That my impression was. That at the end of that episode. With the head grabber. That Jack was closer to being. Um, closer to being like the builders of the Stargate. Than anybody else in the mountain. That was my impression. I don't remember exactly what led me to that conclusion, but there's something in that episode that would have made them look at Jack's it to me, made them look at Jack's genetics. They may not have had a roadmap, but I don't think they would have waited because when you think about the fact that the ancients built the Stargate and the Ancients put they littered the, the the you know the galaxy with people and they Um, left technology all over the place and they're sending four man teams out there. It is, it is a tactical risk to not know who is like Jack and might accidentally wind up with something attached to his head. So I would think that even if they couldn't do anything about it, even if it took them a couple of years from the answer, I don't think they would have waited for that second head grabber to start looking at for what made Jack different. They'd have started looking for it right away.
1: But they also pop they also, but Rodney cannot be an expert on ancient technology if he has no ancient technology to look at. right. Except so it's the not gate. just the gate at area fifty one. They are gathering shit in the background. Otherwise, right. there's no way he becomes an expert on ancient technology in the few months he has at the at the outpost. That makes absolutely no fucking sense and carson probably did start mapping jack's dna the moment they got him back from the asgard he built that little yeah. device stepped through the gate to ida or or what is, what galaxy are they in whatever galaxy they're in um and he meets thor ida yeah and um the asgard take the ancient download from him but there's also a moment when they um when daniel jackson finds the old footage of ernest going through the gate and he um they go to that planet well ernest was had been exploring an ancient suppository uh, re- repository i almost said suppository repository of, of information that was ancient yeah so i'm not sure when that happened so the thing is is the the outpost on earth isn't the first time they encountered an ancient technology So and Rodney cannot be an expert on ancient technology just based on the few months that he spent in Antarctica. No.
2: And we have, uh, there's a lot of stuff the show tells us implicitly that they don't spell out until that has to be like, like the fact that they had to been, you know, it has to be that they probably had a, a maybe a, a DHD that didn't work correctly at area 51, that they had salvaged from another planet or something. It, It just doesn't make sense that, that this stuff wouldn't have all been occurring. Um, I mean, they and- had
1: to had a whole bunch of stuff because they accidentally had a dimensional mirror there and didn't even know it.
2: Right. So they had, they had, they had to have been collecting, and that because that was their mandate. You have all these exploration teams going out there, and they're just bringing stuff back for it to be evaluated, and some of it probably reacted to Jack, and they didn't know why. And so they kept it away from him and they didn't find that it reacted to other people. Or maybe they did find one or two other people that it reacted to. And they started looking at their genes too. And I'm not saying that they got the answer right away. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't believe for a second that they just didn't try to figure it out and start working on the problem right away, even if they couldn't articulate what the problem was. So, yes, they but would also, have to map you need the genes. Keep genome. in mind
1: that what you see on the screen cannot be everything that happens in the in the sg1 universe that there are literally thousands of events happening in the background in every episode Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's not just going to the bathroom and meals
2: hundreds of people working multiple projects going on um it it just it's a it's a science and a military installation and that's just and there's two of them there's area 51 and there's the uh, the stargate command so yeah, I agree. Carson Carson was working on that gene therapy for a long ass time. It didn't happen in Probably since
1: the first head grapper.
2: Yeah. He
1: What's had the- been investigating the DNA. Um, and he made the gene therapy out of John's gene. Not O'Neill's. So he probably had a version of the gene therapy with O'Neill's he had been testing. And then when they got John's gene, which was stronger They use Johns to make another version of the gene therapy. So you could open this up and do anything you wanted with it. Yeah. And if you insert somebody like Patrick Shepard. This far back into the canon of SG-1. You could influence a lot of events. In a variety of ways. And the first time. And it could be. That they encounter the same gene that... I mean, when they're looking at DNA samples from various volunteers through the program. It was 1945. I knew it was like not the 60s or 70s. Because the Stargate was was being housed somewhere in 69. Differently. And mm-hmm. Catherine was a lot younger for, uh, for it to have been the 60s. Mm-hmm. No, it was found in the 20s, but it was activated in 45 by Catherine and her boyfriend and Catherine's father, and they lost the boyfriend, Ernest. Um, but uh, that kind of, you know, when you introduce that kind of influence into a situation like this, it's a very fluid situation, it can create a whole bunch of ripples, and you just have to decide which ripples are important to you that you want to explore. So what happened in canon at this this at this point versus this point versus this point means nothing because once you enter, once you introduce this this non-canon element and you slap it down in the middle of the canon the the ripples can be anything you want them to be. And there are there are obvious ripples that you have to account for. Yes. But then there are ripples that you can make of your own by your own choice right
2: and as we just talked through there are some ripples that you actually have to work back from like when you're looking at when did they start investigating the ATA gene like let's say Patrick joins um, joins on to help start building the data list what are we talking about season three or four
1: it'd be the Prometheus yes oh, the pre- Prometheus. Three or four.
2: so and then you start looking at you ha- can't be super literal about oh well they don't start looking for the ATA gene for another you know however many however many months or years when you go, no, 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 they're already looking for it. They're already looking for it. Well, what, they have what to does that, right? They have to be. So what does, so let's say they haven't figured it out yet, but what does Patrick, if you drop him down let's say season three and you drop Patrick down, you got to reverse engineer what, what his influence would be, because if they're already looking for it, which we implicitly know they have to be, and you get you imagine patrick is a very strong gene carrier because let's say the gene comes through him and not not their mother right so let's say the gene comes through patrick's side of the family and he would have to have a strong expression of the gene too and they don't have another strong gene carrier in the mountain well patrick comes in and a piece of ancient technology that is brought back from off world reacts to him the same way it reacts to jack well all of a sudden they've got two genomes they can compare and they isolate the ata gene faster
1: well they have they, they have several genomes already that they that they are looking at, right? They have um Carson's, they have Miko's, they have Jack's, now they have Patrick's, they might have Matt's, and then okay, you have two other kids. We need their blood. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, David's serving on a ship in the in the Mediterranean and he gets called into the um infirmary and he has to give half a pint of blood. <laughs> Like, what is this for? I can't tell you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So whatever you do, it has consequences. Um, Maybe for good, maybe for bad. But consequences.
1: I wouldn't write Ethan outside of my BDSMAU. Um, And if I'm going to write a Tony is a Shepherd story. That would that would be uh, that would be my central focus, not not an add on. So I wouldn't use either one of them. I would use my standard set of brothers because Ethan because because Ethan is their brother through their mother, not through Patrick. So and in most of my universes, um, um, Amelia would have died be- um, before she could have because she didn't leave Patrick. She wouldn't have had Ethan.
2: Now you could use a setup like this as your set as opposed as your setup for getting Tony to the SGC, but that would be like a it has like a different slant um, than it does if if you're just focusing on Patrick's impact to the program. Now the question is so at this point they get start getting maybe they get both both brother, get John and David's blood. And uh, they start isolating this gene, and they realize who's got the strongest expression of it. And that could be, I mean, you could have, some people, two people have identical expressions of it, or John could have the strongest gene, or you, know, you could do whatever you want to do. Um, and then O'Neill probably sitting there kind of pondering, and uh, Hammond's still in charge at this point, right? Yeah, Hammond's mm-hmm. still in charge. And so Hammond's sitting there kind of pondering that Patrick has got Two two kids, you know. If if David's a seal, he's a heavy combat asset. Um, if you have, and you you were going to do John being Marine, right?
1: Well, it would depend. Like if I'm doing a canon divergence, I would I would have to leave him in the Air Force because the divergent point is after he chooses his career path. If I'm riding an, an AU, I'd put him in the Marines because that's my preference. Well, which um, do
2: you want to do? Which do you want to plot, baby?
1: I think I'd probably do the AU. That way, I can make him a Marine. Um, and again, and it gives him a different set of circumstances too. Less likely to be involved in that whole black mark situation. Um, and he might be on the cusp of a promotion at that point. Yeah. And it would be easier for Jack to recruit a Marine or, you know, or Air Force. I mean, getting David off a ship might be difficult, especially if he's a part of the teams. Um, He might have to unrequest the whole team.
2: (laughs) Well, if the the commandant, well, true, but if the commandant of the Marine Corps is read in, which he would have to be with all those Marines, he would have to be, which would mean SecNav is read in. So it's potential that they don't have the Chief of Naval Operations read in, but I would think that would be a minor thing to um, a minor element.
1: I mean, because there are not a lot of Navy SEALs on the ground, you know? So, pulling one out of operations without explaining it wouldn't be pie. So, they would have to read in, you know, probably the chief of naval operations as well, um, to get David out of the field without people asking questions that shouldn't be asking questions.
2: They can't just appropriate each other's people. Right. So they would have to have the, 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 top, the top banana it would have to be read in. I mean, I would think unless the president was ex- exercising executive privilege, but that doesn't really stop the question about these people. Right, didn't with, want the, to with, the,
1: with the Stargate being a big secret, the more questions that get asked, the more li- the, um, the, the more dangerous that big secret becomes. So you would want to read in people
2: who have the ability to stop the questions? And the president doesn't really, but the chief of naval operations would.
1: So, you know, and so I wouldn't pull just David, I would pull his whole team. Yeah.
2: So, here, idea throw this out, throwing this out there. You could, not a Tony a Shepherd thing, but just Tony is Tony. And like Patrick suggests, you should check law enforcement databases. And they find that there's somebody with a very strong gene expression, different from the shepherds, because he's not a shepherd. And they bring him in. And lo and behold, on David's SEAL team, there's this
1: guy from Hawaii. Is who? McGarrett. Did I lose my sound or did she... McGarrett, you can't hear me? I can hear you now. Like you like you totally went out on me though. So I miss who's on oh Steve. <laughs> okay.
2: I, <laughs> I, I only went out for you because everybody else heard me. So I say McGarrett <laughs> could be on, on David's um on David's SEAL team.
1: Yeah, he could. He'd be younger. Um, he would probably be probably directly under David in command. No, no reason why not.
2: Well, hot side pairing, little mothership out there on the side. We're gonna send the mothership to try to secure us a mothership. Um, I'd have to check the dates. Tony would have been a cop, been been he'd have been a fed by two thousand and one, so I think he probably would have been a cop at that point. But I'd have to check the date of what we're talking about.
1: It would be, be nice if I could get him right out of Fletsy. Uh, Flet- is that mm-hmm. is that how you say it? So he's not no, been there. tainted by Gibbs yet. Yeah. So what year would this be?
2: You have to figure that out. Um, I need to step away for just a second. Um,
1: I actually have a Stargate timeline. While
2: well, you wax poetic about John as a Marine.
1: Okay, Stargate right timeline. Okay. Oh, this is my SGA timeline. Not particularly helpful. I don't have an SG-1 timeline. Um, I usually use Lady Holder for that. Okay, so the Rising happens in July of 2004. So that's when the the Atlantis expedition basically starts. So. And Tony joins NCIS in October of 2001. (sighs) Um. Which episode is it in SG-1 where they um, give the reporter a tour of Prometheus? Season 8. That's season 8. Then it's not the Prometheus. No, no, no. This is an episode... um, I'm talking about the episode where... um, They space Simmons. Okay, completed in two thousand two. It was later brought into service using. um, Okay, so the Prometheus was finished in two thousand two. Um. So they had to start building that in nineteen ninety nine, at the very least. And Tony started. NCIS in two thousand and one in October, so he spent that summer in um, in Fletsy. Prometheus was originally a codename for the experimental X-303, which was developed and constructed in Nevada at Area 51 by R&D with a great deal of work sub- subcontracted to civilian companies without revealing the true nature of the project. Unfortunately, the X-303 was hijacked while still incomplete by rogue NID agents, with the agents themselves demanding the release of Colonel Frank Simmons and the Gaul infested Adrian Conrad, which eventually happened with Major Samantha Carter and Jonas Quinn, members of SU-1. So, when did this happen? This is, yeah, that's the one where um, he got he got spaced. Season 6, episode 11. So, the Prometheus was finished in 2002.
2: So, how many years are you going to have for the Prometheus construction?
1: I I, I think it probably got started around 1999. Okay. What is episode 6 called? I mean, episode 11 season 6. Oh, it's called Prometheus. Prometheus. That was in 2002. That was when it was finished. And that's when Frank Simmons gets spaced. Excellent.
2: Well, I would think these things happen in parallel. Like, I don't think you build an engine and then go, "Yay, let's build a ship." I think you do them in parallel with that kind of effort. Otherwise, you're doing it forever.
1: Well, I think it was. Ha- yeah, I think that they were probably already building um, the the Daedalus by the time they got Prometheus off the ground. Um,
2: oh, actually, I was referring to. I was responding to a comment in the chat about the engine had to be designed before the ship because why bother with the ship if they couldn't fly it? But I just don't think that you would put off building, starting the ship until you had an engine.
1: Especially since they had access to Asgard resources. Um, And they also had Godwled resources. And... Because they they had the 301s, and then they had the 302s, and then they did 303 and 304. So, we know the 302s were actually um, heavily constructed and already in use by the time Anubis comes into orbit. Because they have a whole squadron of them ready and piloted. And you couldn't just put a pilot down in one of these ships and expect them to fly it. So, these machines have been in use for quite some time. That these guys are experts at using them. Because I, I actually honestly one of the most unrealistic things I see I, I saw on SGA was John being able to fly a, a race glider. But, <laughs> I mean <laughs> he He's doesn't even like speak that. the language. He's just that <laughs> good. Just... So <sighs> The summer of two thousand one, Tony I was in Fletsy. Um, this is in between the beginning construction of the Prometheus and the finishing of Prometheus. When did um? So, I would say that if I put the 2000 if, if if I say like Patrick Shepard's in the mountain and, and sometime in 2000 and encounters a piece of uh, ancient technology that lights up for him and throws its legs open um, that gets that gets his sons investigated. that gets that gets Carson Becketer who and the team of geneticists several more genomes to look at. By the time 2001 rolls around, they are trolling databases and they get a hit on Donozo. And so before he gets a chance to even be put into NCIS, he leaves FLETC. He is brought to Colorado for conversation. He's young. He's got, he's dynamic. I imagine he did very well in Fletzy. Um, He's got the ATA gene. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he'd be prime for recruiting. So, and then he never gets fucked up by Gibbs. Of course, there's that whole Wendy situation, but I think if he got like on a plane to Colorado without even discussing it with her, that he would get a Dear John phone call somewhere around Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he doesn't get the plague. Yeah, he gets a hot Navy seal after he has a period of mourning for (laughs) Wendy. Did she dump him before or after he got out of Fletzy? They don't make that clear.
2: But I always do it that he went to Fletzy and then got married right after and that's when she left him.
1: Because she did leave him at the altar. The hussy. You know, why would you do that to anybody? How do you get that far gone?
2: Dark, what's what's your premise for before? What do you mean? Well, Dark said, sorry, I'm eating dark said that she left him before he went to flotsy. I also don't know what the permit with the foundation for that is. It, I mean it it may have been eventually mentioned in canon after what See so here's the thing. No, he proposed, um, he proposed he proposed He 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 met gibbs basically on the day he planned to propose to wendy.
1: Huh. So here's the thing about weddings for those of you who've never done it. Um There's a difference between the wedding ceremony and signing the paperwork that means you're legally married. So even like in most cases, they sign the paperwork after the official ceremony. But in some cases, they sign it before. Like me and my husband, we signed our paperwork before we had our ceremony. So we were already legally married when we had our little vows. Right. So leaving somebody at the altar because you panic is ridiculous. Because you could go through that whole ceremony. And then panic over the paperwork, or you could go through the whole thing and then fucking annul it, right? But also, how do you get all the way to the wedding day without knowing for sure? How do you get there, right? All the way there, that lack of immaturity is disgusting. Um, you know, and I'm you might think I'm judgmental, but I don't care if you love somebody at the altar, you're an asshole, yeah, totally.
2: Um, Unless you found out something right before, like there's a piece of information you were handed, your your spouse to be um, is a serial killer, and you go, "Oh, I'm leaving." Well, that's you.
1: that's unfortunate. You call the FBI, and they right. meet them at the altar. That way, they aren't left at the altar.
2: But the thing is, to me, this is just this is just to me. Is that if Gibbs is if Tony's leaving, if Tony's leaving Baltimore now, I will concede. Okay, I always change the date, and it's over something trivial that Gibbs met Tony Gibbs and Tony technically met in October of 2001. Technically the reason that doesn't make sense to me is think about what date that is. Think about what it was going on in the world at that time. That is Canon. No,
1: what no, what date was this
2: October of 2001. That was right after nine 11 and that is a Canon event in NCIS and there's nothing about it. There's no taint of it. There's no mention of it. There's nothing in that episode where they meet that hints at the chaos that would have been law enforcement in that area Oh, less than a month after 9-11. It makes no sense, which is why I back up their meeting date to before 9-11 because it makes no sense. And the reason I know the date is because they are airing, um, a baseball game when Tony's sitting in the car, and that baseball game aired in October of 2011. They talk about uh, the retirement of a baseball player who retired in October of 2011. So that the events of Baltimore in canon occurred very close to 9/11, and yet there's nothing about 9/11. Now, if they were writing NCIS as if 9/11 had not occurred in that universe, fine. Except it did occur in that universe. Right. It can and then it occurred. So it is a it is a complete disconnect that they made in that plotting choice. So I back up. They're meeting to earlier in the year to give Tony time to be settled into NCIS by the time 9-11 occurs so that he's an effective member of law enforcement during that and not off in training. Now, if he's been recruited to NCIS, I would think they would put him in the very first C class they could. He's going to be gone for three to four months. He's not going to get married before he leaves. Nobody gets married and then leaves for four months. I mean, people do, but that's just rude. Mike, that's why I think he married her when he got back. Or tried to. <laughs> right. Tried to marry her when he got back. The plan was to marry her when he got back. My guess would be, he's like, babe, I got to go. I, I got this class. Can You're going to get us moved to Virginia, right? I'll see you when I get back. We'll plan the wedding. I'll be at NCIS. And my guess is she had resentment. She didn't like it. He comes back from Flet C. She keeps going through the motions. And then she decides she doesn't want to actually do it. She wants to go back to Baltimore. And he's left without without Wendy. So that's my the way I worked the timeline out because it made no sense to me that the events we saw in Baltimore would not have been completely overshadowed by 9-11 occurring that close to 9-11, especially considering where they lived. So hmm. my guess actually is that probably for some time, considering that Gibbs was a senior investigator and what his, his skills were, and that he was so often drawn into big investigations in mtac and stuff my guess is that gibbs was tied up for quite a while after 9-11 um with running ops in in mtac or perhaps working on intelligence assessments or working with the joint terrorism task force or whatever he'd have been doing stuff that had nothing to do with going and looking for a, a guy laundering money out of the navy payroll office in baltimore it just doesn't make sense so but yeah anyway Cannon says that that Gibbs and Tony met early in October.
1: Well, no, on... Well, on the NCIS wiki, it says he started NCIS in October of 2001, which means he had to have been in FLETC over the summer.
2: Yeah. But, well, I guess it depends. I don't know know if they hire them and then put them through FLETC or if they put them through FLETC and then hire them. But, yeah. I mean, October 2001 is when they met. But that, in canon, that actually doesn't make make any sense so that's why I pick it to make it be um, earlier in the year I picked the Ides of March just because I'm a little snarky shit so
1: I'm on the Stargate wiki <laughs> and I looked over <clears throat> and there's a related wiki ad and it's for alien so there's an alien queen in my peripheral vision and it was a little startling
2: Ugh. that's an interesting idea dark Tony gets to NCIS and Gibbs gets recalled to go train snipers in Afghanistan.
1: But I would like to pull Tony into the the, the SGC sooner if I if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna put him in the fic for a little side mothership just so he doesn't have to deal with any of that Gibbs shit. So he doesn't get in 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 like enmeshed in that whole ugly dynamic. Yeah. That exists there. Yeah. A happy seal is a productive seal. <laughs> yeah, a happy seal is also a laid seal. Yeah. Um, but uh well maybe she does dump him after he gets back from Fletsi and he comes in to NCIS and there's a um uh Marl calls up to the office and says, Hey, you know, um, we're happy to have you here, but you've got another offer on the table. There's a general in um Colorado that needs a that saw you that saw your results coming out of Fletzi and would really like to to talk to you um and honestly I can't see any reason why you wouldn't go for their mission because it's it's really important so Tony agrees to go take a look because he's got nothing in DC anyway because Wendy left him and his boss is honestly kind of an asshole (laughs) his boss is an asshole
2: my boss is kind of a dick
1: at that point, he wouldn't be so enmeshed with Gibbs that it would be like, yeah, you know. So that would be good. So I need, I need to go to little girl's room. I'll be right back, and we can do one with Patrick in the Navy, and you can steer that boat, Ship.
2: Just gonna make me steer <laughs> a ship. Don't call it right a boat.
1: boat. It's my boat. It's a ship. It's a mother ship. Okay, I'll I'll be right back.
2: USS Mothership. Well, she's tech now, is she not here? I should just let it be quiet so that yeah, she's on she's online. She's hearing us call it. she heard Kira call it a boat, yeah, no, we're just pointing out that Kira called called uh, she called, said you'll steer steer that boat. We said <laughs> she doesn't like it when we call it a boat. <laughs> it's a ship. She showed me a picture of a really big boat once, and I called it a boat. She said it's a ship. I'm like, well, it looks a lot like a boat. Oh, look, a little ship. <laughs> it's a little ship, like a little toy ship, the miniaturized. <laughs> well, you have to you have to delete the section where I. This, there, when you get to the long silence, when you're doing the editing, you know, delete the whole <laughs> section where I was trolling Lady Holder about ships. <laughs> she kept telling me, "It's a ship, it's a ship," and then she puts up that little teeny tiny toy ship, and I said, "Oh, it's a ship." <laughs> She's trying to. She keeps trying to tell me that's a boat, but they all look like boats to me. Now that's a ship, dark. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna can it because that is really making my head hurt um okay so um Patrick facilitates the USS mothership what am I doing no I'm kidding (laughs) um what if Patrick retired at some point he was Navy and at some point before the Stargate program began he retired and was I don't know running his company or something I don't know what exactly he'd be doing I would have to work that out But he's former. He was former former Navy admiral, and he gets tapped to be Secretary of Defense. Mm. You guys can keep trying to educate me on this. They all look like boats to me. So just stop. Just stop. It is. You're not going to convince me. Because convincing me would mean I couldn't troll Lady Holder anymore.
1: Um. You're you're ruining her fun. I am.
2: They are. I, my find is fine. Anyway, so Patrick. <laughs> so before the program ever gets off the launch, off the ground, Patrick. Maybe Patrick's ready from the very beginning because he's the Secretary of Defense. Um, I would think there'd be less friction in his relationship with John. I'd have to reimagine a little bit what that tension is because if Patrick is kind of career Navy, other than the last you know seven years, um,
1: uh, in what might have been um. Patrick is still in the Navy. And his friction with John is mostly um related to the fact that John is gay, and he's worried that, well, you know, honestly, Patrick has some homophobia to deal with, um which I think is like realistic for his generation. He had some he had some issues with it, and he had to work through it um and educate himself, uh, which he did. And he even joined P flag. I mean, he's you know he's he's all on board that education train. Um, but, And also the fact that John was in the military and he could get his career fucked up and he could get court martialed and he could end up in Leavenworth. And so there was a lot of, you know, issues there. And you could give him those issues and let him work through them. And maybe even his worry about John could lead him to um, lobbying with the president to get rid of DATT.
2: That's an interesting idea. So Patrick is Secretary of Defense. And. He doesn't want so maybe one part of his like side so side agenda is that his, he's working on getting getting don't ask don't tell from and he would have a lot of influence influence over don't ask don't tell as as a secretary of defense
1: because he, he might have emphasize don't pursue which is the third part of that that most people don't even you know speak it's don't ask don't tell don't pursue right um, but yeah he
2: could he could definitely get in there and emphasize don't pursue so. Um, he comes in as secretary of defense and he also would have a lot of control over who is head of the individual branches of the armed services.
1: But on the other side of it, if he, if he is a secretary of defense and all three of his sons are active duty, I would not want to be their commanding officers. <laughs> no. I just, I just don't want to be in charge of you, Shepard. I really don't. Like, oh, huff. Um, I mean, that's worse actually than, you know, I'm um, ending up bonded to Jim Ellison's son.
2: Right. <laughs> we'll find out who John is. And they're like, I can't. I, it's not Don't Ask No so Tell. It's prevent me from going to bed with you, John. It's your father. Because <laughs> um, he may be, he may be, you know, pushing this don't pursue stuff, but it, I don't know if that, that applies when it comes to you. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I th- I think I can't pursue you for charges, and I'm not sure if I can pursue your ass either. <laughs> so
2: there's that. Now the thing is, I it, it Patrick, if Patrick is a would be a different force for the SGC, and he would be in a in a position to have a lot of influence over it. So that could really change a lot, or not at all, depending upon how I pursued his involvement in the SGC. Um,
1: and his involvement with jack o'neill obviously you don't want to make him homophobic or even late and homophobic or you know on the fence about it if you want him to be banging jack o'neill
2: well right <laughs> there could be none of that so if patrick is not um
1: so is this the thing that i was talking about ally with the with them bringing the t- the the supplies and the cows and the crystals it's called as i live and breathe by sorka 42 yeah yeah from the very beginning this looks familiar yeah but yeah this, yeah, this is what i read so it's called as i live and breathe by sorka 42 and it's on ao3 and um and i like- imagine from jilly's little alien clicking that we <laughs> it's already in the po- the podcast link library indeed <laughs>
2: um you could have things start off. I guess you could have things start off a lot, the, a lot the same. Um. He's Secretary of Defense. He's got
1: a lot to do, and this is one program.
2: Although I think he'd be interested in it. I don't think he'd be interested in interfering with it. Really, he would appoint. Uh,
1: unless maybe until the first foothold situation happened, and he'd be like, "What?" Yeah,
2: he would be like, "Excuse me, we need to like we need to check into this." Um.
1: You almost blew up a what? <laughs>
2: Oh, what almost got a hold of Earth? Hmm.
1: There was a black hole win? <laughs> I think we need a little more oversight over the sciences that's going on in the mountain, George. I don't think you can have an active field asset running sciences for you anymore. So either Carter needs to say her butt in the mountain, handling all the science, or you need another scientist. It's you need a chief scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hammond would actually be. Can I just get a phone call from Bob instead.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sir Sec def is on the line for you. Ugh. Why couldn't he just get a Bob? <laughs> <It's> so much <laughs> can't it be a Bob. So without Patrick, unless Patrick comes to the mountain at some point in his role as Secretary of Defense, that. Where he interacts with some ancient technology, or it could be even be where he makes a visit where they're trying to explain some sort of visit where he's maybe after a significant situation where um, he needs to go in and and investigate. So maybe some of that stuff that Kinsey used to get involved in, but instead, because it actually didn't make a ton of sense to me that you'd have somebody like Kinsey in the mountain,
1: but he could be on the Senate Arms Committee, right? Yeah, appropriations or something like that
2: but still i mean just having a senator you know wandering around the mountain doing a um what is he doing a threat assessment is he qualified right so they could be trying to send kinsey in and patrick could be like no i'm gonna do it this guy doesn't know what he's doing if we're gonna somebody's gonna go in and try to figure out what happened it might as well be me someone who actually has some military experience who can determine if if anything could have been done to prevent this foothold situation. It is not Kinsey's not he could actually just be right up front with the Senate Arms Committee or whoever it is, the Appropriations Committee or whatever, whoever. He could be just like, Kinsey's not the person to be able to figure out. You're sending him in to ask if this could have been prevented. How is he gonna know?
1: He's an idiot.
2: Patrick could be the asshole sec def that everybody loves to hate.
1: I mean, you know, I think he'd probably be really good to um, analyze O'Neill's golf game, but <laughs> so Patrick
2: goes to the mountain at some point early It'd be Maybe fairly he early on.
1: Randolph, Randolph Rampart with him. I'm not mad at this. Yeah.
2: And they they trip off to the mountain and they Patrick interacts with you know some piece of alien technology. They take him to one of the labs and something lights up for him. And the scientists get googly eyes and like, we really would like to analyze your blood. That'd be great. <laughs> And, and then, and there probably is a little bit of horror, you know, on on uh, Hammond's part, where he's like, "You can't ask the sec- Def for Secretary of Defense for a blood sample."
1: It'd be really funny. He he said, "Okay, you can have some blood, but I'm not drinking off in a cup for you." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and the NID would get one or two opportunities to mess with the with, to mess with basically what amounts to a military thing before Patrick would be all over them. Like that's it. I'm done with you. Do we need to shut you bitches down? Is that what needs to happen? Cause I am have a willing a real
1: long talk with Harry with Harry.
2: I'm willing to talk to just about him. everybody to get this shit stopped.
1: I think I think at this point if, if they had a really strong secnev in place, that they wouldn't have even tried to bother blackmailing Hammond out of his job.
2: Yeah, cause Secnef would just Patrick would just appoint the next. Um He'd, if if I assuming mean, they tried, they'd like well, they have, they have to try to control Patrick because if Patrick's the person who put Hammond in the job, and he and if Hammond's
1: out, and they need to then, Pat, then Patrick's the problem, not Hammond, because um, they would just you know it would be like you know what we leave Hammond in place because there's no telling who who Shepherd would, would put in next. <laughs>
2: Actually, they could know they could know that Shepard has um, has slotted Rampart in as the backup.
1: Yeah, and we don't and, want Rampart
2: they're like no no air force general is bad enough we do not need a marine general in there we can't deal we're just like no i can't i can't so and so then
1: yeah i mean we do but they wouldn't
2: (laughs) and so then comes the awkward conversation they've had a look at patrick's blood and somebody goes to hammond and says well it'd be great if we could get samples from his children and pa- Hammond just gets a headache. He's like, You want me to call the Secretary of Defense and ask if we could poke his children? Really? That's what you, that's 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 the ask today, is it, from the science department? You're all fired. <laughs> <laughs> You're all fucking fired. fired. And then Hammond's a good friend with Rampart and says, Look, you've known him longer than I have. How do you think he's gonna react to um asking if we can get blood? Samples from his children. (laughs) It's like, well, (laughs) you better frame
1: it pretty well. I mean, he'd be like, "I'm not doing it."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'd be. That could be hysterical. His first reaction is not it. (laughs) Not doing it. Not doing it. Like he He actually literally.
1: He says, "Wait, you want to have a good time, George?" And George is like. Well, yeah, I always kind of want to have a good time. He says, let's send McKay. You want me to send McKay to D.C. to ask the SECNAV if we can have the blood samples from all of his children? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's send McKay. And if McKay doesn't work, we'll send Daniel Jackson. (laughs)
2: And, and you could ha- and Patrick could just sit there and meet McKay and be kind of like listening to him go about what they need and, and and just it just kind of expecting of course that once he enters he explains the science of it all that of course as a reasonable and intelligent man Patrick's going to agree and Patrick's just looking at him going he is exactly John's type I don't know
1: that I should let this happen Right, this is like totally John's type should I bring him home as a present or send him off world so John never ever meets him
2: and he said yeah he said, Hmm. This is just like that snarky little shit John dated in the set 10th grade. <laughs> I'm having a flashback.
1: And goes, Dr. McKay, do you seriously want me to recall all three of my sons who were active duty to get blood samples? And McKay be like, well, you don't have to recall them. We just need their blood. You can <laughs> ship
2: it. it I, I mean, FedEx works. We'll take it. FedEx?
1: I'll send a helicopter. I got me.
2: Well, if you send Kavanaugh, they're he, they're not he they're they're not getting the blood samples,
1: right? What and Patrick- maybe he could say, okay, well, let's um, let's just start with one, and then because you know John is his favorite, <laughs> he said, he says, I'll get my son John transferred to Colorado temporarily, and you can be his welcome wagon, Doctor McKay. <laughs>
2: I expect you to personally, since you're, he says, Dr. McKay, since you're the one here asking me for a favor, I expect you to take good care of my son. <laughs> personally. You'll see him. You show him around the mountain, right? I expect you'll be there to meet him.
1: And he won't be treated like a science experiment.
2: You'll ensure this, right? You personally will guarantee that he's not going to be treated like a science experiment and that nothing he doesn't agree to will be done with his blood. Correct? Correct?
1: Great. Great. His name is John. I'll send you his file. Patrick sneaks in the best looking picture of John in his dress uniform.
2: (laughs) Carter could be really irritated. I agree. Carter could be really irritated with... I don't know why I'm going this cracky direction, but whatever. Carter could be really irritated with Rodney being in the back. What are you doing here, McKay? And he's like, look... As the the chief scientist at Area 51, it's apparently my job to act as tour guide of the mountain. So, if you don't mind, I'm busy. And then he meets John, and he's like, oh, suddenly this isn't so bad. Would you like to see Area 51, (laughs) Major Shepard? I'd love to give you a tour, a complete tour of our facilities.
1: Coffee? Tea? Me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The X-302s are in produ- are, are, are off production line and we have test pilots. Would you be interested in it? The- and would be like, hmm.
1: You're going to let me sit in an alien ship? John calls his dad. Dad, I didn't even know how much you love me. <laughs> wow, dad. Way to be a great wingman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: Yeah, we have we have space guns and spaceships. Actually, Rondi could get tongue tied meeting John and just go space guns and spaceships. <laughs> just those two words: space guns, spaceships. And John could, <laughs> John could totally get it and go, "I'm all in."
1: <laughs> Where do I sign? And can I keep the scientist? Does he come with my deal?
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, John did say that in Atlantis Codex, that, that after meeting Carson, that he said that it was the first assignment he'd been on where they staffed for the best case scenario.
1: Yeah, which is like crazy. It's crazy cakes. Who does that? I don't even do that to go to the store. That's why I have a giant purse. Right. <laughs> At that point, I don't know what C- Carter's rank was. She'd have been a major or a captain.
2: I think she was a major. I think John didn't John. Was she, well, when John came back from Atlanta, she was a colonel by then, right? A lieutenant yeah. colonel. So yeah. she, I think, she ranked him. She well, she started
1: as a captain, so but she, but she got major pretty quickly. Um, that doesn't mean that John doesn't have more time in rank than her. But the black mark could have stymied his career.
2: True. So you could write that John ranks her, which is probably more comfortable for like everybody, right? Because he's the sec kid. Like anybody who's a major in the mountain is probably hoping that John outranks them. It's like oh. it,
1: Um I don't remember. Well, yeah, I mean, but at this point the the circumstances of the Black Mark wouldn't have come up anyway. So at, at at this time at this point in the timeline. Because the Black Mark happened pretty much immediately before he was sent to Antarctica. So it wouldn't have happened yet anyway. Yeah. But the circumstances probably wouldn't go down that way anyway because I don't think in those circumstances that 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 if John thought he could rescue those men and his superior officer, I mean, it's it's iffy because what's he do? Like, this is too dangerous. It's going to get you killed. Your father's going to kill me. But if you're right and I'm wrong, it's the end of my career, which is why I wouldn't want to be in charge of any of them. Exactly. Exactly.
2: But if, if it, let's say that the circumstances went down exactly that way, exactly the way they did in canon, where John said he's going to go, he went to go rescue the guy, men, and that his commanding officer said no. And then the commanding officer tried to give him a black mark over it and, 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 you know, redact that part of his file. You think he's going to get away with it with Patrick as the Secretary of Defense?
1: I don't even, I don't even think he would try. I think he would ignore that John ignored his orders. I think he would just walk away from it. Yeah, I agree. Because, it, I mean, yeah. it would it would actually make John look like a complete asshole, but I don't think he would try to, I don't think he'd pick that fight. But the other side of it is, is if he wouldn't pick that fight, would he have picked that fight to begin with? Wouldn't he might have agreed with John? I, I And then put it down yeah. on record and say, you know what? You, you think you can do this? If you don't come back alive, I, that, that's what I'm going to tell your dad. That you thought you could do it. So don't go breaking your daddy's heart today.
2: That'd actually be a big deal because that'd make it even more complicated because he would probably instinctively not want to approve letting the sec desk kid go on this, what he looked to him like a suicide mission. So on the other hand, it could be that it could be successful if John wasn't delayed arguing with his commanding officer.
1: Right. The same ex- fucking experience he has with Weir and it gets Sumner killed. Right
2: parallels damn damn those fucking parallels
1: but if john is moved into the sgc then that circumstance never happens to begin with and those guys die because i think he got one of them out right i mean holland died but i thought one lived
2: i'm not sure i thought he did get somebody out but all all one
1: died yeah i i I think I, i i think so too but he did get one of them out but but they would all die if John wasn't there. But then also there there are other ripples into play because that but that particular mission might not have even happened if John wasn't already there. Because you're just telling what actions John participated in that led up to that mission, you know? Because ripples are a real thing. But even
2: if they did all die, sometimes the ripple effect is not a good one. There's not and not every ripple is a good one. Right. So, they might just die. Sometimes that's just as the, the ramifications of changing things. Or so,
1: they could die sooner because what if this isn't the first time their lives depended on John Shepard being at the stick? Right.
2: Yeah, a lot of people could have died without John if he was in a different, different position. Or he might have been on a different action because they might have deployed him differently if he's the Secretary of Defense's son.
1: Right. Now, my, he might now, not even be in Afghanistan.
2: Well, he could now. My, I imagine that all three, all three of the the brothers are deployed when Patrick becomes Secretary of Defense. I imagine because he would have had to have been a civilian for seven, seven. years. Yeah before he could take that position so if he becomes secretary of defense let's say right before the program starts go you know right before the program happens and maybe he's one of the people who puts Hammond forward to be the head of the sgc um after west kind of washes out um i think she means the deployment of all of them they wouldn't deploy them all to a war zone but they don't prevent all the brothers from joining the military but yeah they don't deploy when when they don't send all of the children into into deploy them all into war zones together, um, but I didn't think that that meant that they couldn't all be active military. David could be David and John could be active military, and Maddie could be working in like naval engineering or something. But I never said they were all going to be in Afghanistan. Anyway, um, so. Especially since they'd be different branches of service. But anyway. um, So if they're all.
1: uh, Because the Air Force. And the Navy wouldn't coordinate. That kind of thing. Okay well I'm sending my shepherd to Afghanistan. So you can't send yours. That's no. That's not how that would work. The Air Force isn't going to give a shit where the other shepherds are. They only care about the one they're responsible for.
2: (sighs) Well, but yes, but John will eventually potentially be deployed to Afghanistan. So yes, this would take place before John would have been deployed to Afghanistan, but um they would have been deployed somewhere. And I'd have to look and look up what the active military what the active um engagements were at that time. But let's say they're all deployed somewhere. Although you could have if you if I want to stick with with Maddie being um an engineer, he could be doing he could be working in naval engineering. Um but anyway, those are all kind of like timeline knits to work out. But um, let's see. How is that going with that? Okay, so probably right before the show starts, they're all doing something. John's probably
1: a captain at that point. Um, okay. So about the Sullivan act, which is in reference to family members serving together, um, it was proposed but never passed. So, similarly, no president has ever issued an executive order forbidding assignment of family members to the same ship or unit. Um, brothers can serve together. There is a sole survivor policy. So, like, only, if, for instance, it would be so, terrible if John and David were killed in combat um, and Matt is the sole surviving son of his family, he might be moved to a non-combat posting.
2: Right, but that only applies in peacetime. Right, that that provision only applies in peacetime. In wartime, um, he could still be deployed.
1: And when it comes to surviving sons being drafted, that only like the only surviving son of a person killed of, of a person killed in combat might be exempt from the draft. But well, more interestingly enough, um, my niece uh, is has has also had to sign up for the draft. So girls and boys are being um, are. Placing the draft now.
2: Um, But they said, actually, there was a New York Times article in 2006 about three brothers all going to the same base in Iraq. And they said the army doesn't, they don't permit it, but they actually could request to be separated. But they apparently didn't. But in any case, I wouldn't imagine that if the three brothers were all military, I wouldn't put them probably in the same branch of service anyway. But I don't imagine that they would deploy them together.
1: No, I usually put Matt and David in the Navy and um, John either in the Air Force or the Marines. But the Navy would keep track of the two Shepherds they got and hope for the best. Because he wants to make that phone call.
2: Yes, and I would imagine that the... So let's say that Patrick becomes... When did Stargate start? 1996 or something like that? Something like that. Uh, 97. So let's say 96, Patrick becomes... uh, Although 97 is more probable. So right around the time of the... Maybe early 97, Patrick becomes SecDef. Because 96 would have been a presidential election, right? I think so. Yeah, it would have had to be. So 1997, they get a new president. 1997, they would get a new secretary of defense. That's just the way that works. So let's say Patrick becomes the SecDef early in 97. And the Stargate program is kicking off later that year. So he... But, so, the, the brothers, John might be a captain at that point. Might not. He might still be a lieutenant, actually. But he could be a captain already. Um, David would probably, regardless of rank, I would imagine, just be finishing SEAL training. Um, okay. So, but anyway, can you imagine you've got them in your command that someone makes a connection that the sectus. Sons or in their chain of command are down, you know, and they will be like, "Oh, this isn't good."
1: That's like all the nope.
2: Yeah. Well, they'd probably be a new secretary of the navy too, and the new secretary of the navy who would have all of them, right? Secretary of the navy if they're if they're unless they're air force, but I like the marines and the navy thing, but because if, if they're marines and navy, the secretary of the navy has them all.
1: Wouldn't want your job.
2: <laughs> that, is one, that is one stressed man and he could like realize it and be like all up in Patrick what are you doing all of your sons are
1: in are in my what am I supposed to do with this I, I... and Patrick would be like look they're grown men they're doing their jobs they're, you know David's a seal Matt's a pilot John's in recon and intelligence let them do their jobs I raised three badasses don't worry about it They'll be fine, and if, if not, I'll a, pick a, her ass.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you've got a problem, call one of them. They're really good at solving the problems. So,
1: <laughs> I but, raised three tough sons of bitches. Don't worry about it; they'll be good.
2: And then SecDef's like, "Do I tell people that Pat that these are Patrick Shepherd's sons?
1: Do I don't I I think he him- has. I don't think he has to, because I think it would probably hit the news." Because he would well, be confirmed in front of Congress, right?
2: Right. That doesn't mean that people made the
1: connection that oh, well the they run the gamut. So pre- the press is going to be like, "Wait, he's got three sons serving active duty?" Really? That's true. That's true. Look at this fucking patriot. <laughs> true.
2: So and they probably would put their pictures like all over the news, too. Yeah.
1: Wow, he's got three really good looking sons serving.
2: <laughs> the new Secretary of Defense is very hot, but his sons are
1: they're extra. God bless America.
2: <laughs> little websites go up little fan little fan pages on um
1: Dad, some kid in the airport in Florida asked me for my autograph. Seriously? Did you have tell to me t- you're not running for president next. Did you have to take this job?
2: Why couldn't you have stayed active duty so you wouldn't have been eligible? That's a dig at you, fandom. <laughs> um- <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. Every time I read I read it again in a story the other day, where Jack was a general sec Def, General O'Neill, Secretary of Defense. And I was like... <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, People magazine would definitely have, you know, the most beautiful people award. It's the Shepherd family. <laughs> and Patrick's all embarrassed. He's like, I can never leave the house again. Look what my sons have done to me.
1: He started it. If he'd stayed his ass home and retired playing golf on the TV, they wouldn't be in this situation.
2: So that changes John's tra- trajectory in the program hugely. So let's say they do invite John into the program to get his blood, but that's all John's there for, right? He's just supposed to be pincushion. But he's all, you know, he's all curious. and He's like, I want to go off-world. And Hammond's like, hell no. You are not actually attached to this command, son. He's like, I can fix that. <laughs> he calls his dad and goes, dad, I want to go off-world. Patrick's like, Jonathan. What have we talked What have we talked about to- how, how have we talked about this? Look, you sent me here. What did you think was gonna happen? I thought you were gonna get some give somebody some blood and get laid. That's what <laughs> I thought was gonna happen.
1: I was what trying to we- be a good wingman. Now well, look at this shit.
2: Now you're telling me you want to go to another planet? Well, of course I do. I want to go to another yes, yes, of course. They go through this gate. There's there's other alien races out there. I want to go.
1: But they there say could I'm be not spaceships, efficient- Dad. Spaceships. <laughs>
2: Spaceships. You and I'm gonna tell Maddie about the spaceships. No, you're not, John. No, <laughs> you, no. They say I can't go because I'm not officially attached to this command. I'm officially requesting a transfer. Well, you should just take that up with Randolph Rampart. It's like okay, I will. Then I shall. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Randolph.
1: <laughs> I need to be transferred to the SGC. I wanna
2: go I wanna go fight some some aliens, and I want to get a spaceship and some space guns. (laughs) Your priorities are all messed up. But that's fine. You can be... And he could be like, I thought you
1: were just going to Colorado to give blood and get laid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he can say the same thing. Your dad told me you were going to Colorado to have some tests and get laid. (laughs) Well, I took care of that. It didn't take long. Have you looked at me? (laughs) He was all on board. He wants to go see some aliens too. So can we get, can we get on with this? Yeah, get together at the holidays, and David and Maddie are really suspicious. Why are you so happy? And what is this project you're involved in? I can't
1: tell you. I wonder how long that would last. Not Dad, long. what's John doing? Well, I. Well, if you can't tell us what he's doing, can you just like transfer us into what he's doing so we'll know?
2: (laughs) Well, if you boys wanted to agree to some blood tests, (laughs) you could find out. I can't transfer you, but you could find out what was going on. And then, perhaps, call your Uncle Randolph and petition for a transfer. If you were so inclined. Might as well just call it the nepotism series. (laughs) (laughs) And, and Hammond's like Sitting there with his whiskey going I don't know if I want them in my command or not They are badass. Right. They have a really strong you should, let McKay you,
1: you should not have sent McKay To DC to ask the SecDef I've reaped what I have, have, have sown
2: <laughs> I agreed to that I agreed with Randolph to trolling Patrick And sending McKay to DC And look at what has happened I brought this on myself and every time he sends one of SecDest's kids through the Stargate, he goes, I'm about to lose my job. <laughs>
1: Fuck you, McKay. <laughs> the one time I wanted you to be a complete asshole. What'd you do?
2: You had to go and convince him. How did you
1: convince him? I, how I, I don't understand. He liked you so much, he gave you his oldest son. I don't like you that much. <laughs> Why does he like you that much?
2: I wouldn't give you my youngest son. I think he's a little shit.
1: So <laughs> I would even give you my nephew. <laughs> and then and then
2: Jack meets with the team leads. Jack and Hammond meet with the team leads, the various SG team leads, talk about the placement of the brothers. And they all go, Not it. <laughs> not it. I'm not taking Sephde kids off planet.
1: Like look, like one of you is gonna have to man up. Looking at Teldy, <laughs> are you gonna man up? Looks like I have the biggest dick in this room. Sure,
2: <laughs> I'll just take them all. How's that? She's, just like,
1: she's like, as long as you all acknowledge that my dick is bigger than yours, I'll take all three of them. <laughs> I'm gonna want it in writing on t shirts,
2: <laughs> so they have to, and they all wear a shirt underneath their uniforms. It says Teldy's dick is the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> but i could actually see them now sg3 as i recall there were several teams like i think there were several teams like sg3 but sg3 was one of those teams that had a rotating um roster based upon what the needs of the team were it was like search and rescue and first contact and um, you know um uh that what is that that team the like when you send a bunch of Marines in to be badasses? I can't remember what that's called. But anyway, SG3 did it hmm. all. And they could do what? that with because instead of sending all the brothers off world at the same time, they could put them all on the same team. No, I don't think it was retcon. But um they could send all of the um they could put them all on SG3, but they don't all go out at the same time. So maybe John goes out when they need to. You know, kick ass and take names later, and maybe or maybe David does. maybe John goes out when they need to get reconnaissance. Um,
1: maybe first contact missions. he's probably more personable, yeah, if we could just make him start talking about Ferris wheels since they don't know what Ferris wheels are.
2: <laughs> we'll educate them about Johnny Cash. How's that? Yeah
1: I, think yeah, I do fun. have John to be forced recon in the Marines. Um, so he would be good for first contact missions and intelligence gathering recon like that kind of thing um super secret stuff
2: marine combat unit that's what it was so sg3 was in both marine combat unit and search and rescue but they had a rotating they had a really large like roster and i would imagine which depending upon who goes out would depend upon whether or not they were going out as a combat unit or search and
1: rescue you could have david um one of his um, maybe his degrees in combat engineering which would be really good for search and rescue as well. Yeah.
2: So you know, like I said, I don't know why I went the crack direction with that, but whatever.
1: Of course the the big thing would come when they all three want to go on to the Atlantis mission, and Patrick says, "No, <laughs> <laughs> hell no, <laughs> no." <laughs> you like look? One of us is going. One of us is going to the fucking Los Angeles, and John was like, "Wait, I'm going." Because my fucking scientist is going, and they're all like, "Well, fuck it, yeah." John has to go. His astrophysicist is going. <laughs> he can't well, leave could... his astrophysicist out there in Pegasus by himself, Dad. You don't even know what would happen to him. <laughs> what if they got Rodney dirty?
2: Well, it'd be hard to put Alex into a scenario where
1: it's it's
2: uh, cracky, unless Alex was already there to begin with,
1: right? Unless Alex was never kidnapped and he was always there, yeah. Yeah, so if he was always there. I'm trying to think of where I would slot
2: him in. Usually, I do Alex also as a Marine. Um, when I did in the Atlantis Codex, I had you know two in the Marines and two in the Navy. Um,
1: I, okay, we're just gonna have to take turns. <laughs> John can go first, and when he comes back, I'll go. <laughs> yeah,
2: i'm a scientist now in Atlantis codex alex was the first one recruited into the program right from the beginning he was recruited in so um he could be on the initial roster for potential sgc staffing and hammond runs it by you know patrick and says are you okay with this one actually being in this program and patrick's like well he's kind of a trouble magnet are you sure you want to take that on yourself
1: you sure you want? To I mean, be you've already got that? Daniel Jackson. How many times has he been kidnapped this year? So,
2: but they could lobby the like, dad. You're sending two. two there's going to be two. You got to send two. You, I can see you saying no to all of them. They got to send two to Atlantis. Who's it going to be?
1: Because we need Where? to watch those asses. We need to watch the back. We need. We need you to figure what out what shepherd who, you get to.
2: We need to figure <laughs> out who gets the golden tickets here. We all want to go, but you're saying no, so. But, yeah, I do think it would have an impact, even in a cracky and even in a crack taken seriously kind of environment. um, I think that patrick would have would get really involved and it would have a lot of impact. Kinsey wouldn't be a factor he'd he'd put the n i d down so hard that it would be ridiculous and then he would um I don't think he I don't think he'd tolerate Elizabeth Weir being in command ever
1: not on a bit. Not on a bet. Because she's not she's not prepared to lead. Um, and I'm not saying that she had to have um, military experience. But she appears to have no experience. She has no manager experience. She treats the scientists like children. She has a temper problem. She screams at McKay in the middle of the fucking gate room. That's not how you manage people. And also, she didn't didn't seem to understand that 95% of science is failure. And McKay succeeded a lot more than he failed. And when he failed, they all took it personally, which was infuriating. It was such mm-hmm. stupid, bad writing. That's not how that goes. Well, yeah, that too in SG-1. Because um, that would not have gone down that way. Because um, I don't think that Patrick would have put her in charge of the SGC if O'Neill was in... I'm incapacitated. I think he'd have probably set his own ass down in that chair until O'Neill was back on his feet. Because yeah, at that point they were in a very serious situation, and I don't think someone who did who, who barely knew what the Stargate was had any business being in charge. No, or Rampart. Yeah,
2: yeah, I could see him sending Rampart in. would be like I can't, you know, G you, You're active military. Get your ass down there and cover that shit.
1: Marines do what they do. But Elizabeth Weir should not have been in a position to negotiate with the fuck with the fucking Gaul over territory in the galaxy. That was what? Yeah. What?
2: And Patrick could like really get up in the Iowa's face and go, You want you want who to negotiate on behalf of Earth? I don't know this woman. Who is she? What are her credentials?
1: Has she ever met an alien? Does she know how the um Stargate works? Does she understand does, does she understand gold culture? Has she even taken a conversation with Daniel Jackson about it? Is there anyone more prepared than Daniel Jackson to have a conversation with a gold
2: well, but even if the president selected her, he didn't select her without somebody's recommendation. I doubt he knew who she was. But her negotiating style really was kind of, you know, cover our ass first and cover everybody. It's else gets bad yeah. Bad
1: writing. You know, you you don't get to decide who gets to be slaves. You don't right, get to decide. Exactly. Okay, these are our planets, and all these planets you can enslave. That is not.
2: And she could even put put that out there when they're talking about her as an option. You know, Patrick could ask her ask her questions nobody else asked. Well, what is your what is going to be your proposed solution for this? And she could put it out there. That's what she plans to propose. And Patrick kind of looks at Henry and goes, Really? This is how she proposed. So,
1: Doctor Weir, you are aware that all of these planets are populated by human beings from Earth who have been kidnapped and taken off this planet and bred for slavery. You're aware of that, right? And you're proposing—that's how they got out there.
2: You're proposing to leave them in that circumstance, and I'll give permission for the Ghoul to continue to enslave them. Okay and then he gets kind of like at henry goes well that's one approach should we discuss another
1: i doubt she had another
2: well i think patrick would mean another person
1: (laughs) right (laughs) another
2: (laughs) another person to do the negotiating and actually henry could just sit there and go well thank you for volunteering
1: patrick i like ramparts negotiation so here's the deal you all retreat to your planets and hope that your name is last on the list of system lords we take out.
2: Let's just hope. Just go and hide and hope that we can't find you.
1: How's that? Yeah, I mean, she was perfectly willing to also negotiate with the Wraith, who ate people. Yeah. because She didn't care. She just wanted to ascend. She wanted to be safe. Her safety was more important than the safety of anybody else in that galaxy or on the city. Yeah. And I think that's why she was ultimately so infuriated with Rodney not making that that weapon work on Duranda, because it was not ready to be in defense of her. She, he failed at that. It was destroyed. It wasn't going to protect her. And it was all his fault. I think even the fixing the wraith thing was about her own safety. It was about making them. I mean, even you know, she had no problems whatsoever uh, committing genocide, even if she wasn't calling it that. Destroying their culture, their um, their um, their species, which I don't have a problem with it either because they ate people. But she acted all holier than thou about it. Like she wasn't, like she was trying to save them instead of basically eradicate them. Because it, it really was no different. It was still genocide. But not really since genocide only applies to human beings. But you know what I mean. She was a terrible person. She was a terrible, terrible, terrible person. It and... was just bad writing. And I and I often wonder if they would have had the same writing for a male character. Because she was written as manipulative and conniving and narcissistic and sociopathic. And and it is amazing how often that happens to female characters in science fiction <laughs> and in fantasy. So I'm curious to see how it would have been written if the character of Weir had been a man.
2: It's an interesting question.
1: I think the sheet that that a male version of Weir would have been a fighter. You know, the the, the, the great white hunter.
2: hmm I could see
1: that. And he would have definitely been banging Taylor. <laughs> Jesus. How what? About no? What? You know it. Yeah. Even if they'd have made him civilian, I think that that first one, um, because you know, Woolsey was a different animal. But Woolsey wasn't written as manipulative and um cold. she might have better taste in your mind, but you would not have been writing her and I guarantee you if they'd put a male leader in there, a civilian leader, great white hunter, that's what they would have done with it. yeah <laughs> I saw that quote earlier in the week on, on I you know I'm not even sure I could actually read that out. Okay, I'm gonna try though. If female authors wrote men the way male authors write women, he walked down the stairs, noticing how his limp penis pressed against the front of his underwear, his nubile, his nubal balls dangling hairily below. But that what? There's a different one about a banana and a hammock in a hurricane. It's fucking hilarious.
2: I have not seen this banana hammock hurricane.
1: <laughs> I don't know where I saw it. I don't know where I saw it. But it was hilarious. It might have been on Twitter. But it it, it made me laugh so hard. hard. It hurt. It was just ridiculous. <sighs> but you know. It would also be really good. Um, to actually bring. Um, Patrick Shepard in. To replace General Hammond. Mm-hmm. Or if not, General Hammond, bring him in to replace Jack O'Neill when Jack O'Neill goes to the director of homeworld security. So instead of it being. um, Or maybe when Hammond is blackmailed and tries to retire, maybe it's a wake up call for him and he just decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. That Jack is still young and he's in the field. um, And the president puts Patrick Shepard in the chair. And Hammond stays retired. Don't get me wrong. I love George, um um George Hammond, um, I and mean, I would do anything to avoid Hank Landry because what I hated yeah. that character. Um,
2: he was terrible. It would be
1: interesting to put Patrick um Patrick Shepard in the chair, um Hammond's chair. Because because O'Neill really didn't want it. The the only reason that happened really is because the actor wanted more time with his kid, and was you know wanted a lighter shooting schedule. Which is why he eventually also went to Homeland Director, Director of Homeland Security, Homeworld Security, Um, because Richard Richard Dean Anderson wanted, (laughs) didn't really, he was done. He was basically um, wanting to retire. So, but it would be really interesting to put Patrick Shepard in Hammond's chair.
2: Yeah, that would be a really good alternate place to put that in there. Um
1: it'd be really interesting to where you when you put him in the chair. Like if you put him in as Jack O'Neill's replacement when O'Neill goes to DC to DC, and maybe that's when he finds out where John is.
2: Oh, that's a good place.
1: <laughs> I can't read that one. You're gonna have to do it. <laughs>
2: A cold breeze ascended his pillar-like legs, causing his scrotum to hug taut to his undercarriage like an overfilled coin purse.
1: (laughs) 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 I was looking for the hurricane one, but that's what I found instead. I'm honestly quite never going to get over that dude talking about that girl keeping a small purse in her vagina.
2: No. With her her ID credit card in it.
1: That's just not how that works. Gentlemen, if you're listening, it's not how that works. I know you think that our vagina like opens up like, I don't know, like a, like a hanger for an airplane because like kids come out of it. But for a kid to come out of my vagina, my hip, my, I have to dilate and my, and my hip bones have to spread. And that's actually a procedure. It isn't something that just happens and I can't make that happen on my own. You know, there's a whole process involved with dilation and, you know.
2: Yeah, it wasn't just a small purse. It was a small. They specifically called that a small purse with a credit card and some money. It's the credit card that gives us all pause because that sets the size of this small purse,
1: which is not number one small and number two. I could not put a credit card in my vagina without causing myself a significant amount of pain. Yeah, unless I bent it in half, but then it would spring. It's... I mean, and then there would be hard edges and corners and
2: let's say you had a perfectly round purse, a perfectly round purse that was the exact diameter of a credit card that would still be quite large.
1: I mean, that be... would be bigger than a That would be the size of a Coke can, That's which, you know, close. I could probably accomplish if it was a penis, but it would take some work.
2: It would take some work and it's not something you would do just to go to the club. Hold on, I I'll, I'll be ready to go in fifteen to twenty minutes. It's a little shit. <laughs> I decided I need a credit card tonight, not just some cash. That's a little more stretch going on.
1: I need to work it up to it. Um, I've never seen a soft credit card. But my le-
2: Even if it was even if it was a credit card like you just are using on your phone, it, it's not something you would keep in your purse up your vagina. <laughs> How do you
1: keep her Apple, Apple phone with that perch watt?
2: Yeah, <laughs> how do you keep Apple Pay in your vagina? <laughs> I'm
1: thinking an iPhone.
2: Well, okay, so let's say you've got like a little chip, like on a little tiny thing, right? Okay, but at, you wouldn't call that a credit card, you would call that no, like a credit, but chip they or something. also said
1: specifically that she had her license in there too because that's how they identified her her license and a credit card. But it's just
2: men think, so there are men out there who think that women keep these these objects in their vagina. She might keep them in her bra, but not in her vagina.
1: That's not how that works, gentlemen. I'm
2: dark, I can barely fit a Samsung in my pocket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, no, for real. I mean, I have got a... Edie, did you
2: see what Edie said? <laughs> one clinch for answers. <laughs> cl- one clinch for that. answers. Two clinches for ignore.
1: I don't think that there's enough room in the corner for her right now. No, uh,
2: she's all kind of extra. I
1: was so looking you're like, for my
2: like did I do hey, my um. Kegels today? I need to be able to send that call to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. Okay, I got a measuring tape. Okay, my my Samsung Galaxy Edge is two point mm, two and a third inches wide, and five okay. inches and five inches long, it, roughly.
2: Okay, my iPhone is oh, that's centimeters, which would probably help some of you, but I'm just not going to pander to you. Um, <laughs> my iPhone is a little over. Th- three inches wide
1: and it is six and a half long. Okay, for reference, my license is three inches long and roughly an inch and a half wide. And I can't even get a Diva Cup in my vagina.
2: So you're not getting your phone up there?
1: No. Not even when I do the taco fold. Can I get the Diva Cup in my vagina?
2: The taco fold is one of the biggest folds anyway. But you can't just... It just doesn't go. It just doesn't fit.
1: I mean... My phone's waterproof.
2: There was a point where... I remember Lady Holder had a Galaxy Note at one point. Which is like an enormous fucking phone.
1: It's like a mini tablet. Yeah.
2: It's all phablet up in there. And in this case, potentially up in there.
1: (laughs) It was like holding a Kindle Fire to your, to your ear, <laughs> and
2: women and you in this world. In this world, we're imagining here where women store their club gear in their <laughs> hoo-ha. Women make the decision about whether or not they're going to go out based upon a couple of factors. What do they need with them, and are they feeling like doing the putting the work in? It's like, well, I really need my phone because I'm expecting an important call. It's like, you sure you need your phone? It's going to take like an extra half an hour for you to get ready. <laughs> you got to stretch and do some squats. <laughs> do your dilate. kegels. Lube. You better start doing your kegels now, otherwise you're not going to be able to answer that call.
1: <laughs> it's just ridiculous, gentlemen. It's just ridiculous. Do some, you know, just just do some reading. Do some reading. Just
2: they would have some. I it's, agree with you. Wait, is that why they don't give us pockets on our clothes? It's because ma- male designers think we store th- things in, in, our, in vagina. our vagina. In our vagina. Or you have to cut the folding. <laughs> oh God.
1: <laughs> I can't. Ellie, go get in the corner.
2: <laughs> we don't think there's any room over there, but just crawl on
1: top of somebody else. <laughs> you can sit in Edie's lap. But keep your legs closed because she's crazy right now. <laughs> i can't anyways i think it would be a lot of fun to put patrick in the chair like directly lead at the sgc because he's a beast and the nid wouldn't get over shit
2: yeah i agree i mean he would be that's why i would write it anyway that he was just kicking ass and taking names And everything at the SGC goes so much better. And they think their biggest problem is the fact that the Shepherd Sons, that the SecDef's kids are in their chain of command. They're like, wouldn't things go easy? That could be hysterical little Easter egg for the audience, right? Is somebody bitches and goes, wouldn't things go so much easier here if SecDef's kids weren't in this chain of command? And the audience is going, no. (laughs) No, it would not be better.
1: The cold air made my hair stand up from the roots the way... My nipples stood erect, and every follicle on my arms and legs became, becoming a tiny clitoris, and every cell of me awake and alert in rigid attention. What the fuck did I just
2: read? That's like the worst analogy ever. It, it, there's nothing analogous between hair follicles and the clitoris.
1: Nothing, gentlemen. There
2: is no <laughs> connection. Rosie, be- said, Rosie submits, she summarizes it for you. You read Goosebumps. I just I Get frisky over
1: in the corner I don't actually think about my nipples During any day I mean the only time I I think about my nipples is if they're hard Because they're cold and uncomfortable
2: The only time I think about my nipples is when One of them has made a bizarre journey In my bra and I can feel it's pointing The wrong way It's like why are
1: you (laughs)
2: Why are you, you trying to, to make it a left up and hand...
1: rearrange it? Yeah. yeah, it's like why are you making
2: a left hand turn right now? we we I do not want to signal left for the whole day. Get back where you're supposed to be, other than that, there's no there's no thinking about the nipples, like I said unless they're uncomfortable if it's if they're hurting or if they're itchy or whatever, if they're uncomfortable, then I think about them otherwise, it's just it's not a part of my day. Uh, there is nothing good about that. No, it's just crazy. Anyway, I agree. I think that Patrick being part of the SEC could be a big game changer. I think that the short pitch, if we had one for this podcast, should be crack will happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You never know when there's going to be a crack attack in one of these podcasts.
1: I think that if Patrick was the Secretary of Defense, that people would actually prefer to get a phone call from Bob than him. They were oh, like, yeah. well don't isn't Bob due to call? <laughs> can, can you tell him I'm on the phone with Bob? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Bob said that the sec deaf could go first.
2: <laughs> Bob is always willing to wait for a sec deaf. <laughs> okay, so I gotta read this one. This is a this is he lay on his side and watched her breathe. Her breasts, the sweep of the sweep of a flank defined with the functional elegance of a warplane's fuselage. <laughs> <laughs> and the person who posts this on Twitter says, Men are temporarily banned from writing until we figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> I preach, sister, preach.
1: What's worse is like if that wasn't self-published, then some editor and some proofer read that and thought, Oh, that that's fine. There's more?
2: That's all I see. That's all I see, Barb, is more plain fuselage. That's the last bit.
1: As she moved with the undulating grace of the, one of the big predatory cats, bare feet thrust into open sandals, so the big pointed breast joggled... that that joggled? Tautly under the thin cotton of her t-shirt, spelled wrong, and the tight, round buttocks strained the faded denim of her hacked off shorts
2: across the front of her t-shirt was blazoned the legend I am a love nut and below it was drawn the suggestive outline of a I can't even read that Coco de Mer yeah (sighs) these are all actual books maybe only because of the rebellious way her breasts
1: rose and fell rebellious breasts look Okay, the only time my breasts rebel is like when I'm sleeping on my back. (laughs) And sometimes I just kind of like move forward and I I worry about being smothered. You know.
2: (laughs) Did I miss some salted cucumbers in that? Cassandra woke up to the rays of the sun streaming through the slots in her blinds cascading over her naked chest she stretched her breast lifting with her arms as she greeted the sun she rolled out of bed and pulled on a shirt her nipples prominently showing through the thin fabric she breasted boobily to the stairs and titted downwards
1: (laughs) for the record I have never titted in my life
2: i've never even though i've got enormous boobs i've never done anything boobily
1: (laughs) just dumb bastards (laughs) anyways but yeah i mean i i like the idea of um actually i think you know it would be really interesting to do a character study of patrick running the sgc um and keeping that information from his sons and not involving them at all and um Just, you know, having just the whole fate of the world kind of situation on him and having to deal with that. Maybe John's in the Air Force and, you know, maybe David's running what's left of his mom's company. And, you know, Matt's doing what Matt does, you know, whatever you want him to do. And, you know, Patrick is just going in every day and keeping aliens or barbarians from the gate.
2: Yeah, I like that. You can even have John be in... uh uh, uh Antarctica for a different reason that maybe he got injured or something but he you know he can still fly but they can't put him in like a, a combat post so they just like mm-hmm. well we're going to send you down to shuttle some people at McMurdo but we'll have you back in a combat posting later <sighs> anyway it's a, it would be a fun experiment to work through an idea where Patrick is involved from the beginning um So I'm gonna keep reading these, but
1: let's. So should we should we end the podcast? Yeah, because
2: they're the the happening
1: in the chat room is just ruining me. Um, (laughs) just I can't. (laughs) Okay, I want to thank everybody for joining us, and um, I I hope that you found some inspiration here. And um, where the hell? Where the fuck? There's there's Chad. Um. Um and um, we will catch you later. Say good night, Jilly.
2: Night, everyone.